Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. The Duke Carolina rivalry in men's basketball is truly worldwide. It resumes on the gridiron this Saturday with the Devils visiting the Tar Heels. We'll be there with our big tailgate tour on Franklin Street before we head into Keenan Stadium. And our next guest, I would say, is primarily responsible for turning the tide in that series. Pun intended, he's a graduate of Alabama. Now the 12th year head coach at Duke. After the Tar Heels had won 21 out of 22 in this rivalry, that's about as one-sided as it gets. The Devils have won five of the last seven under David Cutcliffe. Coach, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good. I always get a little tidbit of news from you guys as I'm waiting <laughs> on you. And it sounds like 101 Dalmatians, 50 dogs found in one place. If anybody knows that story, Cruella DeVille. Yes. Huh? Yes, I know uh, that one. That's an interesting report to me. But anyway, I got bigger <laughs> fish to fry. And it's uh, it's been, a, been a focused week when you get beat yeah. badly. You're not only um, working on the upcoming opponent you're trying to work on, leaving, uh, you know, the, the previous game. And people can say that's easy, but it's not easy. So I, I thought our players have done a, a really good job of that, as well as the staff. Uh, but it takes a day or two. And uh, But I, I like where we are. We're on track. We know we got a huge Coastal Division game. We've got a huge game because it's North Carolina, and it's on the road. So certainly won't be easy. Coach describing the Duke loss at UVA this Saturday. They're at Chapel Hill, as you mentioned. The Blue Devils four and three, visiting the three and four Tar Heels. Before we dive into that matchup, uh, give us a broad sense. You arrived in Durham and took the Duke job in December of 2007. What did you know as an Alabama grad and somebody born and raised in that part of the country? What did you even know about Duke Carolina? Just that phrase, that rivalry, basketball or otherwise, oh, prior yeah. to living it. All basketball, you know, because I love high school basketball as a player. And, I mean, that was the epitome uh, of it all was, was Duke Carolina. And being an SEC guy, I was also very aware of Duke and Kentucky. And uh, but this, there was nothing like it. I mean, when I was younger, you didn't get the TV coverage. Yeah. But I was very aware of, of the, the people that were involved in it, the coaches that were involved in it, Tobacco Road. I always wanted to come up here and see where that road was. <laughs> <laughs> when I got here, I was disappointed. I never, not one road is named Tobacco Road that I know of. Yeah, 15 and if I'm wrong, somebody please call the station and David can set me up with information next week. Yeah, 15501 just doesn't have the same ring to it as to no, Tobacco I, mean, I get it, but if there's no sign. I wanted to sign. I might have snuck out in the middle of the night and took it, you know, but there's no Tobacco Road. Hey, you your good friends, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, we've seen all over the Duke football facilities over the years. Uh, we have occasionally seen them at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and I was trying to press the boundaries of my memory. I remember when one or both of them was in the front row at a Duke Carolina game in Cameron. I imagine they leaned on you for those tickets. As many of those games as I've covered, Coach, 
I can't remember seeing you from press row. Like, where do you hang out at a Duke Carolina basketball game? Well, let me tell you why you didn't see me that day, because I was sitting right next to them, and who cares? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was my first year, and they immediately called and said, hey, you know, okay. Um, my seats are up in the upper level, okay. um, over around behind the, the, the Duke bench and um i usually i mean i'm not being you know i i just usually come in late yeah and that way i can watch the basketball game and i got a side door that i go in and out and uh, that's the reason why you don't you know you're not going to see me down courtside i did that courtside thing with them because um they wanted to do that and and it was it was a blast you know they were, of course, egging on. It was my first one, and they got to egging on the student section. The Cameron Crazy started chanting my name, <laughs> and 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 they're you know behind me, they're egging it on, and then finally they they push me to get up, and so I go over there, and I'm dressed really nice for that one. This is my first Duke, North Carolina basketball game, sport coat. I think maybe even had a tie on and. I get up in there and all that body paint, every, they laughed and laughed and laughed because it ruined my clothes. You know, you yeah. can only imagine. So that was my last trip into the student section, I can tell you that. In basketball, you know, I've interviewed guys like Dean Smith and Roy Williams on the Carolina side and Coach K uh, in basketball from Duke University. And they'll say, yes, there is something special about Duke Carolina, but, you know, they have other goals as well. How do you describe, you know, what is the place in your universe from December 2007 upon your hiring and forward of, of just beating Carolina relative to your other goals? Because I mentioned this number. It's crazy. In my three decades covering this, Coach, Carolina had won 21 out of 22. And then partway into your tenure, the Blue Devils have now won five out of the last seven. That is about as dramatic a turnaround in a rivalry in a single sport that I have seen, and, and your fingerprints are all over it. So how did it happen, and what does it mean to your program? Well, uh, it, it, it had to be important to our program for the reason you mentioned of the 21 out of the last 22. We used it uh, from the get-go as, as a measure of what we had to do. We had to at least, you know, create some form of a rivalry. And a very good North Carolina team beat us 28-20 to 20 in the first year, the first game we, we played. But, you know, they, they've been a great program, and, and they were what we wanted to be. And so uh, I, you know, vividly remember Jamison making that catch. Um it was a measure for us, and it was something we were striving for, and it's something we still strive for. And we we want to bring some respect to the football rivalry, uh, and it's it's been intense. You know, I like intensity. I think it's good for both programs. Uh, obviously, I know that North Carolina State and North Carolina have a big football rivalry as as well. Uh, we have one with Wake Forest. Uh, but for us, I can't speak for North Carolina. Yeah. For us, it's it's UNC, it's North Carolina. That's that's it, and so that's that's where our focus lies as far as rival games, and and it's gonna, in my opinion, as at least as long as I'm here, it always is.
David Cutcliffe is with us on Twitter. He's at David Cutcliffe, National Coach of the Year back in 2013. He's been the two-time ACC Coach of the Year with the Devils. He was the SEC Coach of the Year while at Ole Miss. He has taken Duke to six bowls in the last seven years after a long drought along those lines for the football Devils. What's, uh, what is the biggest difference between being home and away when these two get together? I was actually on the field last year when you guys put up some crazy good offensive numbers against the Tar Heels and beat them again. Well, this year it's going to be that they're artificial turf and we play on natural grass, mm. you know, and that's not a small thing. We do, thank goodness, have a good artificial turf facility and we practiced in there some this week. Uh, then certainly, you know, crowd noise is always an issue, and uh, they have been, you know, packing the stadium, yeah. and 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 certainly nobody there is going to love us. So you're going to have to <laughs> overcome not only a good North Carolina football team, but also the, the crowd. Uh, focus becomes a tougher issue, and then you know, all of us just there's a mere comfort of being in your own locker room sure. and all of the things that you're used to having at a home game. We don't travel far, but you're still on the road. Last thing for you, Coach. You know, Mac Brown, of course, is back. Part two for him in Chapel Hill. They have played six incredibly close games in their three and four start. What jumps out at you as different about the Tar Heels, given that they only had five combined wins uh, the last two years together under Larry Fedora? And, you know, right now their record could be anywhere from like, you know, six and one to one and six, maybe given those close games. Yeah, I think that, that first of all, they're, they're doing the things that you, you do to win games and taking care of the ball, uh, doing a great job of that. Uh, they do a great job. They've done a great job training a freshman quarterback who's yeah. very talented in that regard. They play well in the kicking game. You know, they're smart. And in, in, in that regard to how they play defensively, uh, they're multiple, but they do a good job of, of not giving up a bunch of explosive plays. So that keeps games close, Yeah, you know, and if you don't turn it over and you avoid giving up explosives and you play well in the kicking game, you're going to be in the game. And maybe sometimes you lose those, but, um, you know, as you, as you go, you know that's the path. And you look at the games we've lost, we did just the opposite of that. And, you know, I, I, I don't know why. Uh, if I did, we would have never hit that point. Yeah. It's certainly something that we have to correct. And if you're going to play in conference games and keep, keep yourself in it, you do the little things well. And North Carolina has been able to do that. It is Duke at UNC, 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. We'll be there on Franklin Street for our big tailgate tour, the festivities leading up to that matchup. Four and three Devils visiting the three and four Tar Heels. Coach, as always, thanks for the weekly visit. Keep up the good work. Thanks, David. Take care. You too. 1-800-849-2761. Steve Malik joins us live in about 20 minutes or less. He's the guy who's trying to bring the MLS to the capital city of Raleigh. Major League Soccer is still in expansion mode. David Tepper trying to bring a franchise to Charlotte. Steve Malik, one of the men behind the effort to bring it to Raleigh instead. North Carolina FC is his men's team. They had a good year, made the playoffs, but lost at home last night. The women's club, North, the North Carolina Courage, as it is called, he's the guy who brought 
the women's top soccer club on earth to the great state of North Carolina. That's Steve Malik as his courage seek yet another NWSL title on their home field this Saturday after or this Sunday afternoon. Get your tickets if you can. Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. Steve Malik on those matters later in this hour. Your phone calls on the other side. We have bounced from the NFL to college football to the NBA to the World Series to the return of the Carolina Hurricanes. Ryan McGee, Ian Eagle, David Cutcliffe all in the books. Steve Malik on the way. Last call for phone calls is on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. What is that biggest, most important development now that we're half past the halfway point in college football nationally in that sport. I have some highlights in our backyard, but I picked Joe Burrow's development as LSU's quarterback and those Tigers joining Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma in, a, in the other predictable parts of the national top five. You can offer a question, an answer to that question of your own, 1-800-849-2761. I have more on the Canes, more on the Nationals' big lead over the Astros, more on the Panthers' trip to San Francisco, and more on the rest of Week 8 in the NFL, Week 9 in college football. I will have a guest host tomorrow. David Jackson, the longtime voice of the Appalachian State Mountaineers, a North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year, now does work with the Carolina Panthers, among others. He's been our guest host before. He will be so again tomorrow. I'll be on the golf course raising money for a really important cause to me personally. I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, shout out to Mike Maniscalco, another of our very popular guest hosts here at the David Glenn Show. If you're just joining us, Mike gave a personal update on his medical situation a little bit earlier today. He posted it on Twitter, and I've been in communication with him personally during this somewhat scary time for him and his wife, Kristen. Uh, he says, thanks to everybody who took the time to send a note, say a prayer, or have a positive thought. His tweet mentioned there's still some recovery left to do. But when he heard the words non-cancerous from his doctors, uh, I'm assuming earlier today, it was a moment he says he will never forget or take for granted. He added that he can't wait to get back to work. We will not see him tonight as the Columbus Blue Jackets host the Carolina Hurricanes, but we'll keep you up to date on Mike's return to the ice, if you will, a great friend of the program for a long time, and I know a lot of you as listeners as well. One of the great voices of the Carolina Hurricanes, Mike Maniscalco, an update there, and that great voice of the App State Mountaineers in this chair tomorrow, David Jackson. 1-800-849-2761. More of my thoughts on those headlines of the day. Joe Girardi, Tiger Woods, Conor McGregor, Jim Harbaugh, among other things. Could a Major League Baseball umpire lose his job over a politically charged tweet? That story, some free legal advice, and your phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. show Steve Malik joins us later this hour he owns the North Carolina Courage women's soccer team which is playing for another NWSL title this Sunday afternoon he owns North Carolina FC which made the playoffs again last this year 
He's trying to bring Major League Soccer to the great state of North Carolina. We'll catch up with him a little bit later this hour. Your phone calls are welcome now on the NFL College Football NBA World Series. Return of the Hurricanes and other headlines, 1-800-849-2761. Question that came along earlier, asking for more free legal advice, here it is. Major League Baseball, according to Commissioner Rob Manfred, is looking into a now-deleted tweet by longtime Major League Baseball umpire Rob Drake. Drake tweeted late Tuesday that he planned to buy an AR-15 rifle, quote, because if you impeach my president this way, you will have another civil war. Perhaps appropriately, he misspelled the word civil. C-I-V-A-L. For some reason, that didn't surprise me at all. ESPN got a copy of that tweet. It became a publicized issue. Clearly, Rob Drake started deleting as much as he could from his social media accounts as possible. But the question really becomes more than just a political one, whether you agreed with his tweet or you thought it was bat bleep crazy or you fall somewhere in between. The question to me became, could a Major League Baseball umpire lose his job over a politically charged tweet? The number one most important thing for you to remember, if you wonder how this stuff works in the real world, we'll put the umpire aside just for a moment. The bottom line, and this saddens a lot of people, and it surprises some Americans because we protect rights of citizens far more than most countries do. The Constitution does even more than most Americans understand that it does. The Constitution protects you in ways that maybe you'll never need, but man, if you do need it, you're glad it's there. Our Constitution, in context with like private employers, like you know, Major League Baseball is a private organization. Even the umpires union is a private organization. They're not governmental bodies. The United States Constitution and the First Amendment of the United States in that Constitution will not save you from being fired unless you're being fired for a really narrow set of reasons. And some people are surprised because we value free speech so much that you could tweet something good or bad about a president or a policy or impeachment or something else. The answer to could you get fired for that politically charged tweet, the starting point for the answer is yes, you can get fired for that. Your current employer, I don't care if you're a waiter or a waitress or whatever, in most contexts, your employer is not going to fire you because you're pro or anti this party, this president, this policy, whatever. In most contexts, they don't do it just because they don't want to do it. But could they legally do it? Unless you're in a governmental situation, there's different rules there. Could your private employer fire you simply because you're putting out some politically charged content, even on your personal media account, social media account, not at work even. Even if it is at work, you can get fired. Even if it's at home only on Facebook, you could get fired. Practically speaking, it doesn't happen that often because most employers, if you're doing a good job, don't really care. And unless you're really bringing it to the office and preventing others from doing their jobs, well, then that would become a problem. But is the First Amendment going to save you? But wait, I was talking about something important. Our future as a country or this president or that policy doesn't matter. The... The starting point to understand this stuff 
if you were fired because of, like, your race or your religion, you got a heck of a case, all right? Our Constitution will protect you. When it comes to political commentary, in the overwhelming majority of contexts, you can be fired and you have nowhere to run. There are a handful of states that have state laws that would protect you in some circumstances. You have in some states more protection for doing things personally, like at home, like, you know, in a political campaign, you just want to support your party or your candidate or whatever. There are states that have those protections. But the bottom line answer to does your country prevent you from getting fired in non-governmental employer situations just for your political commentary, the answer is yes, you can be fired for that. It's surprising. It may disappoint you, but that is the reality. There's a really small number of things that are protected by our Constitution for you getting fired. Again, race and religion would be examples of that. Gender would be another one, et cetera. If you can prove that that's why you got fired, yeah, you have a heck of a case, and you're going to win that case. There are a lot of other things for which you can be fired, and the Constitution's not saving you, and the First Amendment's not saving you. When it comes to this umpire, one more thing to keep in mind. He is part of a union, and that helps you. If Major League Baseball said he was too toxic to continue working at that league because of the crazy stuff that some people think he's been tweeting about, we'll see where that goes. But remember the other thing that happens here. Now that he is in the public forum, any social media commentary that they can find from him, if it goes from he likes this president and maybe you don't or he wants this policy and maybe you don't or he's, he has this view of impeachment, which, by the way, is an incredibly uneducated view, but whatever, you're still allowed to have a publicly uneducated view about this or that. Once they start looking deeper into your social media, when you have a job that involves judgment, if there's anything in your social media, this has happened to police officers, this has happened to district attorneys and other prosecutors, this has happened to judges, and an umpire is a sort of judge, don't roll your eyes at that, there are all sorts of people from all sorts of different religions and races and national origins stepping into that batter's box or standing on that pitcher's mound. If there is anything in the social media background of Major League Baseball umpire Rob Drake, put aside last night's or Tuesday night's tweet, if there's anything in there that suggests he likes or dislikes this race over that race, or he doesn't like people from Mexico or other brown people, or he has some kind of bigoted views of this religion or that, guess what? You're getting your tail fired, period. There are already lots of public examples. You might think somebody you know is a great police officer. There are public examples where somebody, an independent group, goes to their Facebook and other social media pages, finds that they have all sorts of racist and bigoted views. You know what happens? They get fired. Do you know why? Because when they're a witness in a case later, and the defense attorney shows, well, clearly this is a biased, prejudiced, maybe racist or religiously bigoted police officer. And here's the social media presence to show it. Be careful what you tweet, folks. Be careful what you put on Facebook. Police officers have been fired for that because they're, not, they're no longer reliable witnesses if they have some kind of anti-brown people view on their Facebook page. 
And there's a couple hundred of them found in the Philadelphia area not too long ago. Those of you who don't think this stuff is real, your ostrich heads are in the sand. Uh, it's, it's a case of sheer ignorance. The facts are everywhere if you're just willing to open your eyes and look at them. You can get fired as a police officer. You can get fired as a DA or prosecutor. You can get fired as a judge. Yes, for personal stuff. Yes, away from work on your social media accounts. If at any point they believe this umpire or anybody else who's in an arbiter-type position, they stop believing you can do the fundamentals of your job fairly. And that's where Rob Drake would be in big, big trouble. I would guarantee you his dismissal if they find that kind of nonsense on his social media accounts. The tweets that they found earlier this week aren't quite that far across the line, but it's still worth watching how baseball handles him and even the, even the umpire association handles him because if that's only the tip of the iceberg about his angry political views and it starts getting into those other areas man he has lost his job because he tweeted the wrong things it's not there yet again but whether it gets there will be interesting to watch steve malik brought world-class championship caliber women's soccer to north carolina in the form of the north carolina courage who play for yet another title this Sunday afternoon at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. All sorts of members of the U.S. women's national team. His North Carolina FC men's team had another good year this year, and he hopes to bring Major League Soccer to the capital city of Raleigh. Steve Malik joins us live next on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is from North Carolina, loves soccer, is personally responsible for bringing the top women's soccer club on planet Earth to our great state, the NWSL champion, North Carolina Courage, go for yet another title this Sunday afternoon at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. He's also part of a group trying to bring major league soccer to Raleigh. His North Carolina FC Men's team made the playoffs again this year, lost last night. Shout out to Austin Deleuze as he heads into retirement. Steve Malik, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm great. Good afternoon, David. It's great to have you back on. Tell us before we dive into this year's team and the possibility of that championship again on Sunday, what was it like for you just as an American to not only watch our country win another international soccer event earlier this year, we all feel some pride as Americans, but you're you're watching like on multiple layer, layers, right, and levels because a whole bunch of your courage players were wearing the red, white, and blue as Team USA won it all again. I was wearing red, white, and blue myself, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, it was exciting to have our players not only be there but do so well. Uh, you know, Crystal Dunn, game after game, shutting down the top strikers in the world. Of course, you get some pride out of that. And uh, we get to see them every week. So it's really special. I've described a North Carolina courage as if you watch the NBA All-Star game and like nine guys all went back to the same NBA team that you got to enjoy for the rest of the season 
that's kind of my analogy. Remind us of how it works in your world, because I, it feels like I've seen more than a half a dozen of your players wearing the red, white, and blue. And beyond that, you have superstars representing other countries around the world. We do. Our international players are, are fabulous. And, uh, I mean, at this level, that's sort of the expectation. If you're not representing your national team, I, I don't think you're getting much time on the courage. Um, and, uh, you know, from Ireland to Brazil, et cetera, I mean, it's great. Uh, the way it works for, for the U.S. is they get called up, you know. Yeah. And, uh, for instance, Kristen Hamilton, when all of our stars were away at the World Cup, was lighting the league up, really grew as a player, and she got a call up in the most, most recent uh, Victory Tour games. And it's just great to see these players grow. Uh, and, you know, like I said, getting to see them in our backyard, getting to know them, uh, it's, it's fabulous. Uh, we're, we're really blessed to have that right here. We have had Abby Dahlkemper on the show. We've had Lynn Williams on the show, Jess McDonald, uh, McCall Zerboni, and even, even others. How did your leadership group, your head coach, uh, those other players, how did you turn what some might see as a negative, right, losing a chunk of your roster for international purposes, how did you turn it into a positive? You've talked about culture a lot. That sounds easier said than done. Well, definitely is easier said than done. That's no question. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, Paul Riley and his staff, uh, they have done this before. He was head coach at Portland during the last World Cup. And prior to the year, we really put a lot of energy and effort into thinking about who we were going to have on the field because we knew so many of our players would be missing. And, uh, and I think those players really stepped up. It does speak to the culture of the club that, you know, your second and third, et cetera, players are able at the right moment to step up, take advantage of their opportunities. It's, it's hard to get in front of, front of some of these players when they're back, you know, training with the team. But uh, I, I'm so proud of the, the women that we had and the fact that we did so well uh, without our first-team players. And uh, when they came back, it took us a little while, you know, to get our mojo back. Uh, our first game with all of our players back was an International Champions Cup, and here we are having to go play Lyon without, you know, having had that experience of tons and tons of practices and all that. But even then, I thought we outplayed them. We didn't win the game, uh, but uh, that's how soccer is sometimes. Uh, the previous year, they outplayed us and we won the game. So, uh, you know, getting to see this level of talent is, is, is fabulous. And you think about this weekend, we have Sam Kerr coming into town. She's probably the, yeah. certainly from a goal-scoring perspective, the best woman in the world right now. And uh, that causes some problems for us. We're, uh, Chicago has been a very admirable opponent in the league. I don't, I don't think we've beaten them this year. So uh, our coaches and players wanted to have a chance to play against the best uh, and to beat everybody for the championship. It will be Sam Kerr and Julie Ertz and Chicago visiting Steve Malik's North Carolina Courage team Sunday afternoon at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. As a soccer guy with two soccer-playing kids and a soccer coach, uh, I have followed now three different women's professional soccer leagues in our country. And, of course, the first two fell by the wayside for financial reasons. How do you describe, with the best team in this league, uh, how do you describe what makes the NWSL work when its predecessors, for various reasons, didn't work? 
Well, I'll tell you, a big part of it is U.S. soccer. And, you know, they uh, are providing the national team players to the league. They're the manager of the league. They keep us from doing crazy things to ourselves. <laughs> uh, that relationship is changing, but it, it really is their uh, relationship that distinguishes the, this iteration of a, the, a women's professional league from others. And that by doing that, we've been able to attract some of these other uh, best-in-the-world international players. But it's very much uh, part of that uh, relationship with them. Um, and, and frankly, moving forward, you know, we've, we've seen something happen in the World Cup this summer. And I think it's a, a cross-section of what's happening in our country culturally uh, and uh, the empowerment of women, the whole issue around equal pay. And uh, we've seen, uh, you know, sponsors stepping up like Budweiser and Secret yeah. and uh, some big brand names that are getting involved with the league. And uh, in terms of sustainability, that's a huge part of it. And I know TV is a part of that as well. I remember around the same time that Budweiser and some of those others kind of jumped on board with the, the momentum from the international event. Uh, ESPN and others committed to not just, of course, your championship game was going to be on a big platform, but a lot of regular season games, the earlier playoff games. Uh, I don't know to what degree that's better than it was for other leagues, but I imagine that's a big part of the equation too. ESPN's been great, uh, not only domestically, but we have an international uh, broadcast agreement with them. Uh, and at the same time, we announced earlier this week that we've hired Octagon to represent us as we look at additional options. So absolutely, broadca you know, broadcast has changed a lot. It, it used to be, uh, you know, Thursday night, you waited around for Seinfeld to start or whatever. I'm yeah. my age here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now with streaming, the only kind of live action, you know, scheduled TV is sports. And so it is very valuable. And uh, particularly when, when you're best in the world, as our league is, uh, internationally, if you're a young woman who's playing the sport, you want to see the best players, uh, it certainly has opened up some uh, new financial opportunities for the league and for the players. And uh, frankly, we're focused on the championship, but right after that, we've got a board meeting. We're talking about a lot of ways that we can uh, answer the bell that uh, society is putting in front of us and be a leader, not only uh, for the young women around this country, but for the world. We've got to show the rest of the world, how to, how to treat these players with the respect that, that they deserve and uh, pay them better and, uh, you know, a number of things to really help take the lead, uh, even a couple steps in front of everybody else. We don't want anyone to catch Steve Malik is joining us. He's the owner of the North Carolina Courage, North Carolina FC. He's trying to bring Major League Soccer to the great state of North Carolina. You can follow him on Twitter. Just remember to use the formal at Stephen Malik. Steve Malik is joining us on the David Glenn Show Sunday, 3.30. I'll actually be there. Hope to see you all there. Wake Med Soccer Park, Chicago at the North Carolina Courage. In this case, ESPN will have the TV broadcast. It's a 3.30 three tip uh, at Wake Med Soccer Park. In Cary. Um, looking forward, the MLS possibility has been hovering over Raleigh for quite some time. You have been directly involved in proposals for a soccer specific downtown Raleigh stadium. Where does that all stand now that MLS has named its 29th team? Uh, but we all know they're going to go to at least 30 and probably even beyond that. Well, you know, the, the critical aspect of our bid is 
is having an urban stadium with entertainment options around it. And we have made tremendous progress since we, uh, you know, came forward with our plans for downtown South. I've got to tell you, you know, this uh, past uh, Raleigh City Council election was extremely positive for us. We, yeah. All of the candidates that won went on record with their uh, perspective. Of course, we need to do the right thing with affordable housing and transit and all of those things, which we fully intend to do. But uh, with those conditions, they're very supportive. And uh, that's so helpful for us in, in moving forward. And not only for soccer, but just Raleigh's downtown needs more entertainment options. And uh, while soccer is a great anchor, uh, we, we have been progressing that. The city council and the county commissioners came together on a feasibility study that we'll be getting those results. Uh, and, and we've already done one, frankly. They wanted to do one independently, but we used uh, Legends, you know, Jerry Jones and the New York Yankees uh, sports consulting firm. And uh, I imagine that they're going to get the same results, which is uh, in an urban environment, we're going to be able to support around 20,000 people. So uh, looking forward to that. It's the next big step. And, uh, you know, the political environment got a lot better for us. I know in the MLS, Nashville and Miami start play next year. Austin, Texas starts play the following year. I believe the latest is that Sacramento and St. Louis don't start at the MLS level until 2022. What is the best way to describe the timetable for you as a candidate? I imagine if some of these aren't starting until 2022, the MLS would not automatically be in a rush to name franchise number 30. What's your understanding of that? Because I guess I would imagine the longer they wait, the more time you all have to get closer to shovels in the ground. Well, so far, the, t the clock has worked to our advantage. You know, uh, some of these guys trying to uh, work in cities where they don't necessarily live, give them six weeks to give them a stadium or not. Right. And uh, how it works here in Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. we've had to work at this a little bit, get people comfortable we're doing the right thing, et cetera. And, and I think that's the right way to do it if you're really doing it for your community's benefit. And uh, in that process, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that we need to include to make this the best development that it can be for the, for the community. And time has played to our advantage. I mean, uh, you know, if you would have believed the very first announcements that came out, if you didn't have a plan two and a half years ago in the can, you never were, were going to be able to join. So, uh, frankly, I don't think we have to have MLS to, to have a great entertainment venue downtown. Uh, you know, we're talking a lot about the courage right now, and certainly our men's team, which uh, just concluded play last night. But, uh, you know, it, it's something we're going to be in great position for. And as our community continues to grow and other let's just say more traditional major league towns aren't yeah. experiencing the economic boom that we are, uh, we just continue to look better and better. And so we just got to get our plans straight and go from there. Last thing for you, I only have about a minute, but in my 33 years covering sports in North Carolina, and I think you know I've been a season ticket holder and a sponsor with your clubs, Austin Deleuze is one of the more impressive young athletes that I have encountered in a long, long time. Uh, here or elsewhere around the state. Since last night was his final game, wearing your colors uh, as he heads into retirement, just your thoughts about a guy who, when you match what he does on the pitch and off, I, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that from my eyes from afar. So I had this idealized version in my head when I bought the team of what, you know, the players were going to be yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. 
and Austin doesn't disappoint. Right. It's never an event that he's not willing to do. He's so pleasant. He's respectful to everybody. He works at his craft. He's a great leader. He's been our captain. Um, I mean, he, he's a guy that when you when you talk about Austin and, and that being the last time he's wearing our colors, I would just add to that, maybe on the field, that's the guy you want to hire. Yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> true. I, I'd, be, I'd be blessed if I could get him. Amen. You know? And, uh, you know, I know he is going to have a super successful career beyond uh, soccer. It's so obvious. And, uh, like I said, you know, you might want to look for him in the red and blue a little more because uh, that's the kind of guy that has just earned uh, respect in our community in the sport. And frankly, nationally, I mean, the things he's done about, uh, you know, uh, understanding around uh, diversity and sponsorship and galvanizing people, I mean, the guy's just amazing. He doesn't just think of things. He gets them done. Really well said. Steve Malik, congratulations on so much success. Good luck on Sunday afternoon. I'll see you out there, and thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. So happy to talk with you and your, and your North Carolina-wide audience. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Steve Malik of North Carolina FC and the North Carolina Courage. I will miss tomorrow's show for reasons that are very personal to me. So those final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Dabo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80. 8-0. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Quick note as we hand the reins to David Jackson, the longtime voice of the App State Mountaineers. He will host tomorrow's show. Darren, sometimes I joke that when I play golf and miss a show, I'm doing it for the kids. And frankly, kids. a lot Always of events we play, we are raising money for great yeah. causes. Tomorrow, in all seriousness, earlier this year, I had asked for prayers and positive vibes and mojo and whatever you got on behalf of a great friend of mine named Mike Walsh, who's not only a fraternity brother, but a pledge brother of mine. One of my favorite people, I mean seriously, in the history of the world. Took him to a hockey game in March with one of his sons and his friends. Had a blast. Two months later, he had passed away. Picture of health when we were there at PNC Arena this March by May he was leaving his wife and three children behind. As sad a story as I have experienced personally as an adult. We're raising money, and thanks to Alamance Country Club for being the venue tomorrow afternoon. A guy named Chris Honeycutt was a huge part of putting together the Mike Walsh Memorial Golf Tournament. That is tomorrow afternoon. Thanks to everybody who contributed. We're raising a lot of money for the children's education in memory of my friend Mike Walsh. So enjoy the show tomorrow. I'll see you next week. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.